My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. So this morning, our reading from the book of Jeremiah sounds really familiar, actually. If you go back and you read Psalm 1, and it's a psalm that many of us know, Blessed is the, is the man who walks not according to the counsel of the ungodly, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Uh, and then it goes through a contrast, but the wicked is not so. And we see something very similar here in the book of Jeremiah. You have this contrast between the blessed man and the man who is cursed. And right off the bat, let's just say, right when when... Jeremiah talks about the blessed man versus the cursed man. He's not, he, he's not speaking just to men. Okay, this is when he says men, he's talking about humanity. Using it, he's using it as a catch-all term to refer to 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 men and women. Right? He's not singling anybody out uh, above anybody anybody else. So let's just make that clear right from the get-go. So I don't have to explain it. Uh, continually keep mentioning it as we as we as we go on today. It also reads a little bit like Deuteronomy 30, right? You know, God has set before you the way of life and the way of, of death. Therefore, choose what? Choose life. And you would think, right, that it would be obvious that <laughs> you would choose life. But the children of Israel can continually choose, choose death. Um, they tr- keep turning aside to the way of death. Um, and, and apropos to the reading from Jeremiah here, they continually turn aside to um, the way of death. Of cursing. And I think it's helpful for us to remember as well, in, in Jeremiah's own particular context, is he is prophesying to a group of people who are about to undergo the exile. Now, this theme has come up a lot lately. Um, God's people are in this cycle. We talked about the cycle a little bit a few weeks ago when I talked about a vicious circle, and they're trapped in this in this circle, right, of sin and 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 um, feeling the effects of the sin, and then repentance, and then deliverance, and they just keep going back into the cycle over and over again. But what also happens too in Jeremiah is we see in his book and in other books. He keeps getting sent to people to prophesy, and the other prophets get sent to prophesy to the other kings. And what continually happens is he'll say, God says this, and then the false prophets will get up and say, no, he's wrong. God didn't say that. God said this. And so what happens is these kings then start to, they, they lose their trust in God because they've turned aside to the way of of wickedness they've turned aside to the way of sin so they've stopped putting their trust in the Lord to fight for them and what happens is they start making alliances with other nations around them you know we saw this if you remember a few weeks ago there was a reading uh, I believe it's from the book of of Isaiah with uh, King Hezekiah and how Hezekiah shows off the treasury and the temple and all the Jew, the, the, the treasures that, that he has there to the Babylonians, right? Only for the Babylonians to, you know, hey, they, they were they were scoping out the joint, right, to rob it. They weren't, they weren't uh, 
oh wow, this is great. We're going to live and let live. They're looking at this and like, oh yeah, we're coming back for all this at some point. But the rulers would continually place their trust in political alliances and, and it would go very, very bad for them um, every time that they, that they did that. And that's kind of the context here, I think, which underscores verses like this that we, that we heard read this morning in, in the book of Jeremiah. Um, so the man who, who trusts in man, right? The man who trusts in man does something. They make flesh their strength. And in doing so, this flows out of a heart that has turned away from God. And I think this isn't, this is also speaking of people not who, who not just trust in, in other men, or, but also who trust in themselves, right? Instead of, instead of trusting in God. St. Augustine commenting on this, he made an in, interesting observation that, that, that these have the illusion, right, of humility. Because, right, when you trust in somebody else, it looks like you've identified that you need some type of assistance. Or if you trust in yourself, you realize that you, you, there's, a, maybe there's a goal and like, hey, I can do it if I just try harder or something like that, right? Like, both of these have an illusion of humility because it looks like we've identified that we need some type of assistance in ourselves. And it has the illusion of, of self-knowledge. And he, he put it like this. He says, if you put your hopes in other uh, in another person, that's the wrong kind of humility. But if you put your hopes in yourself, that is dangerous pride. Each is pernicious. Neither is to be chosen. Humble in the wrong way, you cannot lift yourself up. Dangerously proud, you are headed for a fall. So let's take a look at the, the effects of the curse. So the curse is described as uh, uh, you'll be like a desert shrub dwelling in the parched places of the wilderness and an uninhabited salt land. And we know that desert shrubs grow in difficult circumstances. They don't grow very big. They don't pr provide a lot of shade or food or fruit for people to eat and, and survive on. Desert shrubs don't really thrive. They have adapted to basically survive. And a reference here to the salt land is a reference to a place where nothing can grow, right? It's a picture of a place where there's no water. It's, it's parched. There's nothing there that can support the flourishing of life. And I think that this is indicative as well of the descript, a description of life lived without the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, right? And Jesus said in the Gospel of John, like those that believe in me, out of them shall flow rivers of living water, right? And, and we know water is, is used as an image for the Holy Spirit. So those who trust in men, who trust in themselves, have turned away from God. And then turning away from God, they have made an arid landscape of their hearts. They've made their interior a place where nothing can bloom, where no fruit can grow to maturity because they've cut themselves off from the life-giving waters of the Spirit. So let's take a look at the blessed man for a minute. So the blessed man is the one who trusts in the Lord. The blessed man is the one who is rooted by the waters. Being blessed by the waters is living where it is lush, where it is green, where it is fertile, where fruit can grow, where plants and trees can come mature and reach the potential contained within their seed. Those who trust in the Lord can be unafraid because when the heat comes, when drought comes, they can be unafraid. Well, why? Because they trust in the Lord. As long as the blessed man trusts in the Lord, they will never be disappointed. 
right? So the one who the one who trusts in the Lord has the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. The one who trusts in the Lord will never lack anything spiritually, because the one who trusts in the Lord is connected with the source of all life. And this is true not only now, but in the age to come. As Jesus says in John 4, 13 to 14, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So between the blessing and the cursing, let's talk a little bit about the human heart, the eternal battleground. Jeremiah notes that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately corrupt. He also asks the question, well, who can understand it? And, and, and this is a question that continues to this day. Who can understand the human heart, right? And, and to be sure, you know, modern psychiatry and psychology have brought great help to the relief of mental suffering and, and the very good gifts uh, of God. But at the end of the day, modern psychology and psychiatry can only get us so far because they cannot address the spiritual condition and the spiritual sickness of the corruptibility of the human heart. And the truth is we don't even know our own hearts. Right? We can't understand our own hearts. Like, I think one of the great lies of our age is that we think we can know the depths of our own heart. And I think that this is easily disproven by the fact that our hearts lead us to want things that can potentially lead to our destruction. Like I can, this is in the news right now with happening with a lot of a lot of a lot of people. But I mean, I could. I'm not going to obviously, right? I could leave my office right now. And I could completely blow up my life, negate my calling, and cause everything I've ever preached and done and taught to be called into question. Right? I could do that in many different ways. Right? I could adultery. Right? Financial impropriety. Um, what have you? Right? Like misuse of funds of, of of stuff that I've been entrusted with, or or something like that. Right? I could easily. Any of us could easily leave our homes and just completely blow up and destroy our lives. And we can completely justify it all by saying this classic line. I was just following my heart. My heart led me to where I am now. So I have no choice but to be carried along by my heart leading me to do this. Even though the thing my heart is leading me to has completely blown up and can potentially destroy my life. I was reminded of, um, there was a social media uh, viral thing that had happened where a, a family had brought in um, a young man who had nowhere to go and he wound up living with them for like a year or two and they took care of him and they helped him out only for the guy who brought him in, uh, his wife, and the guy they brought in ran off together and abandoned the guy and the kids, you know, and, and, and left. You know, well, my heart led, led me to do this. Well, that's not your heart leading you to do that. Well, it might be your heart leading you to do that. But as Jeremiah points out, our hearts are deceitful. They're corrupt. And we can't know them. But God knows our hearts. That's why we need Jesus so much. Like, we, we need assistance. But the assistance that we're looking for doesn't come from our own strength. What we need is the transformation of our hearts. Our hearts of stone, as Scripture says, will be, they need to be replaced by 
a heart of flesh. And then when that happens, we will then be able to truly be the man who trusts in the Lord and not in ourselves. And the fleeting pleasures of this world that, that are passing away will no longer hold any sway over us. And then we ask ourselves, all right, Pastor Mike, that's really great and that's, that's good. But what in the world is this? How do I trust in the Lord? Right, that's easy. Okay, so trust in the Lord and be blessed. Don't trust in the Lord. Trust in myself. Trust in others, and and fall under you know cursings. Right, like what? What's what's the deal? <laughs> How do I? What's trust in the Lord? Do I just have to believe the right things? Just I have to to say the right things? Is it just a matter of of a mental mental state? But when we talk about trust in in the scriptures, I think you know one of my favorite Bible verses. Uh, growing up, and most of you probably was maybe one of the first verses that you memorized as well. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths, or He will he will make your paths straight. So trust, as we see, I think, in Psalm th- uh, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trusting in the Lord with all of our heart, Leaning on not on our understanding, all our ways of acknowledging Him and, he, and having Him direct our paths. It doesn't mean that God is going to to throw you in a direction. It, it means that as we trust in Him, the direction that He wants us to go on will be made plain to us. We'll be able to see it. But how do we trust? I think I think that that proverb teaches us that trust is is faithfulness. Trust is faithfulness. Trust isn't just a right belief about. Oh, I know who God is. I know who Jesus is. Well, you know, um, I think Jesus says, you know, even the demons believe and tremble. It's not just a matter of, of, of like, belief, but trust in God, being, you know, the blessed man who trusts in the Lord, means that not only do we, you know, we, we have the experience with Christ, right? But we live it, right? Trust is our faithfulness. And, and you can see this throughout Jeremiah and throughout the Old Testament prophets and throughout the Old Testament itself, right, is, is God calls these people to covenant with him. And they do. And tied in with this notion of covenant is faithfulness to the covenant. And God is supremely faithful, right? Because scripture says, you know, it's impossible for God to lie, right? So... God is the only one who is ultimately 100% faithful all the time, but he calls fallen humanity into a covenant with himself, right? He's working out the plan of salvation that's coming for us in Jesus Christ. But tied in with this notion of trust that we see all throughout the Old Testament, and we see it all throughout the New Testament too, is ongoing faithfulness to God. That's what trust is. Trusting in God is our ongoing faithfulness to Him. I'm not going to give you a list of do's and don'ts. Do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. No, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'll, I'll probably never do that. I'll, I'll never stand up and say, you have to do this or else. The goal of, of, of preaching and teaching and all that stuff is to frame everything in a way so you can take what you have been given and apply it to learn how to live faithfully. And that's what the Christian life is largely, right? Is learning to take with what we've been given and then live faithfully, being faithful to God, not being turned aside, um, but, but staying focused and, and, 
and continually trusting in him. And this can be really hard, brothers and sisters, because a lot of times some of us feel like maybe we're not in, in, in the, the, the arid land, the salted land. Some of us feel like we're not, we feel like we're not in, in the, the lush land that where everything good grows. You know, we, maybe sometimes we feel like we're right in the middle and we're kind of back and forth on either side. And I think that that's essentially the Christian life is we're continually through our ongoing faithfulness, we're turning ourselves more and more towards the full vision of the kingdom of God away from the full vision of, of the world. And this, this faithfulness that we have not only anchors us, not only grounds us in the Lord now, but it also does so right in the age to come because those who trust in the Lord will re- the gift of salvation right that's the gift of the resurrection and the the new i suggest um, you look it up but it's 1 Corinthians 15 the, the the epistle reading this morning was about the resurrection you know so those who who are blessed those who who trust in the Lord those are the ones who have turned to God those are the ones who will share in eternal life in the age to come and those who are who, who are cursed through their lack of faithfulness not because God is angry with them and wants to punish them but their own faithlessness turns them into the opposite direction because they've made themselves they've made their interior a place where where nothing can bloom where nothing can grow they've through their faithlessness they've cut themselves off from the life-giving waters of the spirit and this and this has consequences not just for us now in this life but also in the age in the age to come so those who turn away from god who continually place their trust in everything other than god and his good gifts to us sentence themselves to a life devoid of his presence not only now but in the age to come you know humanity's trust in ourselves results in the complete desiccation of our spirits so brothers and sisters let us be faithful with what we have been given let us continually turn our hearts to the lord and let us through our lives of faithfulness let the life-giving spirit that we've received Refresh us continually and keep us blessed. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have a few minutes, I'd ask you to go to gofundme.com slash Zion's Stone Church Repair Fund. We have some significant repair work that we need to do on our bell tower, as well as some repair work due to a recent lightning strike. Anything you'd be able to help us out with, we would greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to get a hold of me or you have any questions about what you've heard, feel free to reach out at our Facebook page, Zion Stone UCC, or you can check us out on our website, zionstoneucc.com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.